Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. You picked it up for under 10000 actually 3000 plus taxes. I ended up making a 66% return in four months on the money I contributed. Welcome, my friend, to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And before we get into the show in today's episode, which I know you'll get a lot of value from because we're, we stay out of all the fluffy stuff and we get straight into the good stuff of real estate investing advice, I want to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, and that's Patch of Land. Uh, they are making this show possible and they're making tons of flipping projects possible all across the country. If you don't know about Patch of Land, then they are the number one company to go to for uh, projects that you're flipping uh, because they have all the money available right now. Um, once you get approved for your your deal and yourself as a sponsor or a borrower, um, you're going to be funded by them. And then they go raise the money through their crowdfunding platform. So you don't have to worry about all that. They'll take care of the, the money and the funding for you. You just have to worry about making sure your project's, project's a success. Uh, they've got something really cool for you. So um, if you are just learning about crowdfunding, uh, they've come up with a guide. It's called the Top 10 Crowdfunding Questions Guide. And they're all the, the questions that you might be asking yourself. And they're all the answers. They don't leave you hanging. They've got answers too. All the answers to those, those 10 crowdfunding questions. So you can go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Uh, and if you think you know everything about crowdfunding, i check this guide out just in case because there are some interesting aspects that you'll learn. So go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get that guide. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and we've got a wonderful episode coming up right now. And if you haven't listened to the show before, then you're in for a treat because we get straight to the good stuff. We cut out all that fluffy stuff. We've had Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki from Rich Dad Poor Dad, Jay Papazon, the co-author of many best-selling books. And now with us, we've got Christopher Winkler. How you doing, Christopher? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me. That's quite an impressive list of past interviewees and I uh, met Barbara at a trade show, and she's a very nice woman. Oh, yeah. And she she's someone who, before I met her, 
I wanted to give her a hug. And then after I met her, I wanted to give her like a bigger bear hug. She's just a, so genuine and authentic. That's that's the, the best way I can describe her. I haven't met her in person, but I imagine she's the same way in person as she is over a phone interview. She was, and she went over her history and her background and how she made it. And it's a, a great story. Yep. Well, um, your story is going to be something that we can all learn from, especially everyone who is raising money and investing in distressed properties. Christopher is the manager of Silverwood Capital, which is a real estate investment firm specializing in discounted residential distressed and toxic assets. I'm going to finish the intro but then I want to go back to this toxic assets description because I use that. Those are your words, not mine. I'm just curious why that's the description. He has over 30 years in raising venture capital. He has experience in sales, marketing, debt mediation, and collection practices. He has helped raise over $20 million in private equity for early stage companies, so startups, not necessarily focused on real estate in that category. And he's based in Costa Mesa, California. So with that being said, Christopher, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure. Uh, I would love to. I've been in sales for pretty much my whole life. And, you know, except the one I went in the military and got out of high school and then did a few odd jobs here and there. And, you know, I, I really enjoy it because in a way you're working for yourself. And it's up to you. You you know you're you're compensated on your performance, and you're not just uh, making an hourly wage. So you can control your destiny. I you know sold everything from a ten dollar pepper spray uh, to a hundred dollar box of uh, flaming yawns to a thousand dollar vacuum cleaner, and then ultimately hundred thousand dollar machines to Intel and Motorola. So from there, migrated into Working with early stage companies, I got my license, uh, my Regulation D license, so I can go and raise uh, capital for the startups. And it was uh, kind of similar to the movie with um, Leonardo DiCaprio, where he started off, you know, raising money for the pink sheet stocks, and those are what those companies typically start out as. They're they're startups, they're early stage, and that is some of the highest risk investments. And we actually say you have to use your barbecue money because you're probably going to lose it because uh, most of them just don't make it. Uh, we had one that made it to the American Stock Exchange and about 19 others just didn't. Some some very spectacular failures. So <laughs> what I learned about that was is none of those investments were secured by anything but a promise. You know, If they ever went public or got bought out or what have you, they'd pay the investor back. But other than that, there's nothing else where when I found out that you could actually – invest in the real estate notes and mortgages, you've actually got something that's collateralized. You're, you're buying the note, basically, with the mortgage attached to it. So you basically take over as being the bank now and, tr- and try and get that homeowner to start paying you back. So it, it's secured. You're, the investments are secured where all the other ones weren't. When you, I, I want to quickly ask you about the uh, raising money for the startups because I think that's really interesting. And then we'll get into this the notes and uh, mortgage, buying the notes and buying what you're focused on now. But with the startups, how are you compensated when you're raising money for startups? It's typically based on your performance. These are all done under a regulation D exemption. 
uh, either they call it a regulation D, uh, 506, 504, and a broker dealer would agree to raise money for that. I was a representative of the broker dealer, so the broker had arranged a compensation with the company raising the money and they took a set fee, maybe it was 10%, 7 whatever, and then we were paid a commission on what we brought into it. Got it. So if in theory you raised all 10%, then you could get all 10% minus whatever the, the brokerage fees were that you work for. Right. As an example, each one, each one's different. Right. And, and so I couldn't get, but let's just use that as a round number. Okay. Got it. But so if you don't uh, bring in any investors, you don't make any money. So you have to dial, you know, the two, three hundred dollars a day to reach the investors that are interested in this. How much did you raise? Uh, I mean, you said twenty million. What was the biggest raise? You don't have to mention the company, but just what was the biggest raise that you did for one company? Well, I myself personally raised about five five million, and with five other people that I had introduced combined, we brought in that uh, total to about twenty different projects. One of them, a couple of actually two here based in Irvine. They're both out of business. I don't know if we want to mention any names. One was uh, using a, a CD technology to do medical diagnostic tests using the, the spinner as a centrifuge and it had great promise and they imploded. They had you know, a Nobel Prize scientist on board and top doctors and they still imploded. Another one was a mineral company here that was using a volcanic ash for to help injection mold plastic flow better and it turns out it wasn't... Uh, consistent enough to be used regularly and then they went public in a reverse merger into a shell and it was a big nightmare and that was the spectacular implosion they probably <laughs> you know they probably raised over 20 on their own wow so we brought in i don't know it's been so long i don't remember what we brought in but it was quite it was substantial yeah well do you raise money for real estate investments well now what we're doing is we're joint venturing with individual investors on specific Assets. So I've got an investor that is interested. We would um, work together on that. And because we can't pool any money at this time, our next logical step would be to form a, do one of those regulation D offerings where we could raise, you know, say $5 million from multiple investors. And then we can go in and obtain the assets for a lower price because we're buying in bulk and do it under a regulation D exemption from having to file a registration statement. And what type of investments are you doing the Regulation D offerings for whenever you're partnering with different investors? Well, we'll our plan when we do launch that will be either a senior lien. Uh, one fund would be for senior liens, first liens, what we're doing now. And then another fund would be on junior liens, so seconds and third HELOCs, things like that. Those are two completely different investments because a senior lien you're really basing it on the value of the house and what they owe and taxes. Whereas on a junior lien, you're really looking at the person and how much their ability to pay back their debt. So it's they're typically nicer houses too. So where are you at right now in establishing those funds? We're still not there yet. We're going. We're on our about 15th joint venture with individual investors, and so each one we work together. We use their capital and they assist us in the sweat equity, but to obtain the asset, do the workouts on it, and with about 12 different exit strategies, 
it will play out as to which one of those it will be. Either they pay it off or start paying again, or they might short sale it, or we might resell it. I wrote an article recently, 12 different exits on a non-performing note. So, Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd love to link to that in my show notes. Would you be able to email that to me? Sure. It's with e-zine articles. We're a diamond author with them, so I'll be more than happy to share that link. So, okay. you know, I figured out all the ways you can exit on a note, and there's 12 different ways. So you're not just stuck with one one exit. Once you have title, even before you have title, you know, if they start paying it back, you can hold on to that note, get it re, re-performing, then you've fixed, and then you can flip it. So you can fix and flip the notes, and you don't have to get dirty and get pain on you or bash your thumb with a hammer. So best ever listeners, Christopher is going to email me that link and I'm going to make sure that we have that included in the show notes so you can actually go to the show notes right now and go check out all of those exit strategies. Why did you choose discounted residential distress and toxic assets instead of multifamily or storage units or office or retail or medical, industrial? Why this? It is uh, the way we've decided to acclimate and learn the business, starting with the the SFRs, single-family residence, which there's plenty of them available. We're able to purchase them for 20 to 65 cents on the dollar. So we're typically looking to pay less than half of what its current value is. So when you're getting them in, at that type of price, there's, you know, as long as you don't overpay, there's a lot of room to make a very nice return. And sometimes they're, they're staggering, but most of the time they can be 10, 20, 30% or more in months, typically in months versus years. How are you getting them for 20 to 60 cents on the dollar? Where are you buying them from? We're buying them from hedge funds that buy and buy the truckload from a bank. They're, they're toxic assets. So this gets back to the toxic distressed assets. Banks had a, you know, issued out a lot of loans to people they shouldn't have. And because of Dodd-Frank, um, you know, enforcing them, well, actually pre-Dodd-Frank, sorry, but um, the banks were forced by the government to loan money to people who normally wouldn't afford a house or wouldn't qualify. But they had to do it anyway, so you're doing no no doc loans where someone working as a cashier is trying to buy a half-million-dollar house. <laughs> That's just a recipe for failure. So... They have taken huge losses. They haven't paid in several years, and they just literally write them off, and then they could sell them to a hedge fund who will buy them by the hundreds of millions, and then they will peel them off by the box or the bottle, and we can buy from them, and we're building our contacts with the banks directly to start purchasing from them. So they're out there. You just have to know where to look. With the hedge funds that you purchase them from, what is the the minimum dollar amount you need to bring to the table for them to look at you and and give a section, as you say, a bottle of the notes that they had from the bank? It can vary. Uh, we just bought a note for $1,500 in Inkster, Michigan. Uh, I really like Michigan a lot. There's a lot of low-value, low-dollar assets that are in great shape that you can get for nothing and turn around and use one of those exits. So in this case, they had about Thirty five hundred or three thousand in taxes. So when we make an offer, we'll say we'll pick this less the taxes, and you know, fifteen hundred bucks later, we're going to have to deal with that. And it's also that now it gets into the toxicity 
it was about 60,000 in liens and judgments and all that and IRS liens and we're just going to foreclose and uh, we believe we can eliminate them through that. And then once we get a clear title, the house is worth about 20,000. So if we end up putting in under 10,000, well, I think we'll be right under 10 because foreclosure plus taxes and there's a one year redemption with the IRS. I, I don't believe they're going to want to own a house in Inkster. So once that's over, should they not redeem? It's ours and then we can sell it all the way up to $100,000. So, I mean, there's no minimums as long as you're a, you know, a registered entity. We have a, we're a limited liability company. So they, they won't just sell to some Joe off the street. You have to be at you. They look, they check you out. But one, you know, one to a pool, however many you want. Huh. And how would someone go about finding a hedge fund where they could buy the notes from? Uh, that's the that's the challenging part, and it's it's based on relationships and who you know. You know, it's real hard just to pick up the phone and or call information. So it's it's you know it's going going to these events, learning from others and introductions, and so it, it can be done. What is a different type of profile of the person who invests in a startup um, versus a person who invests in? Uh, something that you're doing now where you're you're buying you know hard asset based while well, you're buying buying property that's or, or notes that are based on assets well in a way they're similar they might be small business owners or self-employed they typically are looking for a nice return they might not be satisfied with two three percent they realize with risk you know comes the risk reward you, you know you don't want to get something Something very risky, like investing in a brand new startup. You know, there's a 90% chance I believe they're going to fail in the first year, and then the ones that survive 50% fail the next year. So that's probably the highest risk. Where with the notes, they could look, and you know, there's no promise, there's no guarantee, there's no expectation. It just it is. It, it plays out as it plays out. But as long as you're able to get them for a low price and, and not overpay for it, which is one of the hardest parts you should be able to make i mean even if it burns down you're you've bought insurance immediately to cover that so we've seen ones full of mold that pay the insurance pays you know i mean mold on mold on mold so yeah. you know it's if you've insured it properly and evaluated it properly and know what you could expect to sell it for either as is or repaired you base your offer on that and it's just, you know, this minimizing the risk. Whereas, so the investor is kind of similar. You know, I think mean, maybe I got off point there, but looking for nice returns, very busy in their business, tied up, like the idea of uh, joint venturing with someone who knows what, that's their sole focus. And George Anton goes over that and he talks, uh, working with people who specialize in that field because no one can know everything. All right, Christopher, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I touched on it briefly. Know what you're buying before you buy it. With notes, you can buy a note, and if you don't get a realtor or someone to go buy, and it's a vacant lot, and it burned down or been torn down, you're and sometimes you're just stuck with it. So know what you're buying and the value of your buying, and the boots on the ground are probably the most important part. Do you buy in new markets all the time, or are you only focused on very specific markets? 
have maybe 10 states that we're focusing on. We, we really try and avoid rural areas because they're harder to get realtors to and they're harder to turn over. We really stay away from mobile homes. So we're looking for areas that are stable or appreciating. If it's a really tough crime and infested area, we're going to stay away because then it's going to, you know, no one's, not, a family's not going to go on to move to a high crime area that has kids. And uh, so that really knowing your market is another, it's important to make sure it's not crime-ridden or you know, there's nothing there or burned down or what have you. How much do you pay the realtor? To go buy for us. Yeah, to go check it out, to go drive by it. What we do is we find a local realtor that it's, it's close by, they can drive by, send us a couple of pictures, they can give us an idea what you think it's worth. We'll a lot of times send them a gift card, a $50 gift card. But we'll always give them the, the, the biggest reward is to get the listing when we get title. These are typically pre-foreclosures or had already started foreclosure. And then once we get title, they will list it on the MLS for their commission. So, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to evaluate it for as little as possible because when you have a hundred assets, you know, to get a broker price, depending on a hundred each, especially if you don't buy any of them. Mm-hmm. So we, we do it with um, a small reward and the promise for the listing once we have title. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it. Now it's time for you to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor today, Patch of Land. They're the leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to all of your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and get your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Christopher, what's the best ever book you've read? I'm reading Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vanderchuk. Uh, and it really speaks words about social media and how it's the new norm. And it's not just some passive bad. And if you're not with it and part of it and learn how to properly talk about your product, you're going to be left out. Best ever personal growth experience and what did you learn from it? Not being careful enough on an investment and not turning out to be what I thought. So trust, trust and then verify or verify then trust. It should be more of a just really, really make sure you check it out fully and you've looked at all the risks and rewards. What was the investment and, and what happened with it? It was invested in one of those early stage companies where uh, they had they made these stuff. They had a lot of cartoon characters. They were coming out with stuffed toys and they were going on kids' shoes. And they had all this licensing stuff. And then uh, they did like a 100 to 1 reverse split. So your investment was worth 100 times or 100,000 times less because they, if you, if you had 100,000, you only had 1,000. So. That was very, very disappointing. They did that. They issued Ouch. so much stock. Yeah, they issued so much stock, they just took it back. And they can do it. And like you said, you have no recourse. Wow. Best, I have never heard of that. That seems, that I would, I would vomit if that happened. And maybe punch somebody. <laughs> Best ever deal you've done? You know, one we just did. It was a uh, note we bought that was vacant property in Columbus. We picked it up. Under ten thousand, actually three thousand plus taxes, I ended up making sixty-six percent return in four months on the money I contributed. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Well, the project I'm most excited about is our starting when we do all our 
first equity fund, we're able to raise five million dollars by pooling other investors' assets, where we could get those at a much bigger discount than what we're getting individually. And you might have mentioned this already, but what's the biggest mistake you've made so far in business? Biggest mistake is trusting someone and not verifying it. We had an online store we ran after about seven years, and we uh, decided to merge, uh, or we were acquired by a supplier, and we thought that what they said, and I, I got to believe they did too,、uh, would happen. They had these large contracts, they had、uh, things in the work with the Air Force, and it looked like a really good chance to take my experience and be part of a bigger entity, and nothing. Panned out, the contract didn't happen. The Air Force had sequestered cuts, and it's still not really recovered that huge project. And then、um, Google、uh, changed their、uh, algorithms early 2014, and our traffic dropped like 75. So it just really, I know you know stuff happens, and that's risky thing. But you survive, and you go on, and you go back and dust yourself off, and let's go do it again. What's the best ever place to reach you, Christopher? Online, well, my mobile, so、uh, I can get my website or my email. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well,、uh, the website Silverwood LLC says、so、it's real simple. Silverwood LLC, one word, and my email is my first initial and my last name. C Winkler at SilverwoodLLC.com. Christopher, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about. Your, well, first off, I never thanked you for your service in the military, so thank you for that. You're welcome. I went in out of high school. I wanted to be a mechanic at the time. I was over in Germany in '77, guarding ammo dumps in the middle of nowhere with no bullets, and that's when the Bader Meinhof gang was in its late days. So, throws my my rear end off there, and you know, served honorably for four years. That was enough. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well. From there to you know raising, doing sales. From you said sold ten dollars a pepper, ten dollar bottle of pepper spray all the way to hundred K machines to Intel, Motorola, to、um, you know doing what you're doing now. Well, before with the startups where you raised over twenty million dollars in startup for startups to what you're doing now where you're joint venturing with individuals on note buying. I mean, just really interesting and、uh, interesting how you are approaching. The different aspects of note buying and how you're looking to evolve the business into funds from the joint venturing to、uh, to large funds. So thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your advice. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good rest of the day.